<laughs> now I have started recording. Oh, now you started recording. Yes. I, I, okay. Okay. Now, so. Oh. How did the week go? And Good. Rusty, pull the mic a little bit closer to your face as well. I don't know. It was a. How's that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit closer, but not that close, right? Yeah, I know, right? How about right you don't there? Want, that works. You yeah. don't, you don't want to you. rush Limboy, you know? Uh, what, geez. suck on the mic? Suck on the mic, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like the, My friends, the liberal media doesn't know. <laughs> Frogs and hormones and shit like that. That's, that's Alex you. Jones. Oh, okay but, is there, but, okay, but I have to ask you, is there fundamentally... A difference between all of these Chaucerian frauds, between them and people like Pat Robertson and stuff like that? Is it really a difference? Yes. Because Alex Jones actually believes what he says. Oh, Rush okay. Limbaugh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I think Rush Limbaugh believes, but it's it's always in vogue in America. If you're conservative, you're going to get bashed. Well, yeah. That's... Especially if you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, right. I mean, you no know, I wouldn't say that being mm-hmm. in, in radio today. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was my bad. I uh, we, I uh, hit the wrong button, so yeah. we just lost like 10 seconds of that. My apologies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 we had a guy back home who was on, on, on the radio, and his, his radio show was always the number one rating. And he would always say the most controversial, bouncing off the wall crap that would just agitate people. Oh, my God. They would call in and shout and scream, and he would goad them even more while while they're doing this. And people tuned in for the theater of it. On that note, um, I would point out that... Are you a theaterist? No. Episode 11, which I entitled Lots of Yelling, which is where you got Rusty really animated, that thing has been played 22 times, and if you look at the just, retention just rate... Just 22? Yeah, well, if you look at the retention rate, which is it monitors... How long people listen for? A hundred percent. So every single person who listened to that episode listened all the way to the end. So they they want to listen to the yelling. They oh want to listen God. to the, yeah. They want to listen to the yelling. Apparently, no. <laughs> um, four hundred and twenty-four plays so far, and we have a new country on the list. Bohemia, Australia. Oh. Down oh. under, eh? Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. No, don't be afraid. <laughs> Robin Williams, here we go. You know Jeez. that. You know. You know that joke, right? Robin Williams. He said he went down to Australia, and he said, he said, yeah, I'd like to meet the prime minister. And he goes, oh, that's Bob down there at the end of the bar. <laughs> Guy goes, have a beer on me. I can't do an Australian accent. Yeah. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So. Yeah, but the the, the Aussies are a good deal of fun. Yeah. Mm. I love that country. Oh yes, I want to go there. Beautiful place. Oh man, everything that can kill you lives there. Well, I think it's simply that everything that does actually live there is poisonous to human beings. So yes, <laughs> that's kind yeah. of the, the problem. Can't go, can't go swimming at all. Hold on, I gotta adjust the mics. See, the, this is why I in love Perth and Fremantle. There we go. This is why I love my dear country, South Africa. We have some of the the most poisonous creatures on the planet, but luckily we have so many animals that it balances out that they're actually just a very small percentage of the things that can <laughs> harm you. <laughs> Granted, you know, game, you know, buffalo can run can run run you over, stuff like that, or gorge you with his horns, but, you know, at least it's not that weird little green snake that hangs from a tree that, you know, bites you and you're dead within five or six seconds, you know? Interesting article I read, speaking of Africa and animals, mm-hmm. cows... I believe it's in Rwanda. 
Mm-hmm. Because tigers and a lot of your predator type animals, tigers. We don't have tigers. Lions. Lions, yeah. Okay. Leopards. Leopards. Yeah. If they think they've been seen, they'll just get away. Yes. They they won't finish. They won't complete the attack. Mm-hmm. One way around that is they've started painting eyes on the back of cows. Cows, yes. I, I thought I, that I, was, I saw that. I thought that I was pretty, that. pretty ingenious, actually. I mean, they, they, they used to do this in, in, in Kenya um, during the, the colonial period, and even they do it in India today as well, Bangladesh, where tigers attack people. You usually wear a mask on the back of your head. Hmm. So the tiger and the lion or leopard kind of thinks that you are watching him or he, you, you, you can see him. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. He doesn't actually attack you. Mm. Yep. Um, in Kenya, around Savo, that um, period where they built built the railway line, there's man-eating lions of Savo. Um, it's one of those traditions that comes out of that that era ah. in, in in Africa. Fascinating stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Paint eyes on the back of, that is, back of the that cattle. Is, yeah. That's ingenious. Saves saves money and also saves you having to go out and try and eliminate the lions. That, that, that's that's yeah, that saves you meat too, milk. You know, we we I mean, we we have a beautiful pair of leopards that live in the mountain range by 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 the farm, and every year they kind of travel east west along this mountain range, and then they come by and they they take some animals off of off of the farm, usually game, but you know there are some sheep farmers and pig farmers and cattle farmers, and they they lose a couple of animals once a year, maybe two two or three. And then there was a community meeting about what to do with this this problem, most people said, well, this really isn't a problem. You know, the, the pig farmer, of course, who shall remain anonymous, he knows who he is, had a big, big story about, you know, well, no, I have to kill these things because they eat three of his pigs a year. And people point out, well, when your pigs, you know, litter, the sow crushes five, six of the babies on her own every single time. Every time she litters. So you're, you're complaining about these two beautiful animals that are rare in that area taking two or three pigs a year? I mean, what's, a, what's the matter with you? So they're kind of our two local, local celebrities, and people always post on the WhatsApp group we have pictures of, of, of when they actually see them. And they're beautiful animals. They really are. Mm. So let them be. You know, they have a right to exist every now and then. And the couple of animals they yeah, eat every year won't kill anyone. Now those big cats are something. I mean, back in the 80s when my dad was a cop here, they had reports of jaguar, of a jaguar being seen around here. Mm-hmm. Like a jaguar, that's a long ways to come up all the way from Mexico and not be seen. Well, um, maybe it was some rich Texan's pet this year. Well, that's, that's perfect. That's Absolutely possible because there used to be a guy that kept lions and tigers somewhere near the Metroplex. And isn't that the guy on that TV show on Netflix, the lion? No, this was back in like the eighties, and he he left and just left them on their own. And the property got degraded and stuff. And a lion jumped the fence and attacked a little boy. He um, deserved it. That's yeah, why Florida has such a problem with wild animals, is because the hurricanes come through. And oh, you uh, mean like the Nile crocodiles they have no, found no, in the no, Everglades? No, no. I think the problem in Florida is the Floridians, yeah. not the animals. The Floridians? So, yes, yes. Mm. So anyway, so long week. We have another long week coming up, beginning of school. So, Much longer semester, in fact, coming up. Yeah, we'll yep. see how it goes. But I had a, I have to... Uh, tell you all about this. I had the weirdest dream this week. Well, not a dream even. I, I, You know how you have a dream within a dream? 
Like you thought you woke up and then you're but you're actually still dreaming. Have you ever had that happen to you? No, I think that's a deep seated psychosis. Of course. Well, now this is this deep seated <laughs> psychosis part. I I thought I had woken up and everything was white, like bright white, like I woke up in a sterile white room. And Did all you of a sudden, meet God. <laughs> well, if God was Sigourney Weaver, because <laughs> he I heard, because all oh, of a sudden he had a keep on. Yeah, keep right. on. There, there <laughs> you have it. All of a sudden, I heard Sigourney Weaver go, "Hello, I'm Sigourney Weaver." Welcome out of your stasis. And then I woke up. You woke said, up on Pandora? Yeah, so either yeah, so either I was on Pandora or I, you know, or I red pilled and the matrix shoved me back in. Oh, so I don't, okay, okay. I was almost free. But now I'm stuck back here in the matrix program with the rest of y'all. So Where you can at least enjoy a steak. Yeah, maybe they can upload some kung fu into me later. Kung Not fu. some kung flu, eh? Mm. Kung fu. I love those movies. The old Chinese the old movies? Kwai no, Chi. the old the old Matrix movies. Oh. I enjoyed them. Oh, I thought them. you were talking about the old Kung Fu. Kwai I Chi. like those, too. I actually love those. They are... Kwai Chang King. Yes. Remember the old song? We were all Kung Fu fighting. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's actually a cool song. Um, and then the, what was the parody movie they made off? Kung Fu Hustle? Kung Fu Hustle, yes. Yeah, it was hysterical. It's a parody of, like, all the Kung Fu movies ever. I, I, I think the producer... Is Chinese himself, but it, it's really well well done. And it, yeah. if you if you want to go see something hysterically funny, go watch Kung Fu yes. Hustle. Yes, Kung Fu Hustle. Anyways, Kung Fu. No, uh, I guess we should get started, eh? Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm. Welcome, everyone, to the 13th episode. Wait. Yes, 13th episode of A Jew, A Christian, and An Atheist Walk Into a Bar. It is August 23rd, 2020. And, you know, here we are. So, this is our 13th episode. Is it going to sort of be like Friday the 13th, the unlucky episode? Mm, or Depends perhaps, on the ratings. Ah. Perhaps the lucky episode, since we're... On Friday the 13th, 12, 13, how many movies are there out there? I don't know. Enough enough to make, um, what's her name, a lot of money. Yes, there are too many. What's her name? Why can't I remember? Jamie Lee Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis, back in the day. It's sort of like the Fast and the Furious movies. There are too many of them Oh, my word. Yeah. Anyways, Mm -hmm. let me get through this. Uh, Yeah. So... I I gotta finish with the introductions. I keep forgetting to do them. I just do the intro of like where we are, and then it's like let's get started. Then, but I'm one of your hosts, Austin Lunyon. I'm here with my two good friends and colleagues, Rusty. Greetings. And Earhart. Evening, evening. So, and uh, we want to hear from y'all. Like I I have said this once. I said it a thousand times. This is the only show I know where you can listen to three professors of history rant and not have to pay tuition. Um, so far, most of y'all listening haven't taken advantage of that. So questions and comments, feel free to, or concerns, feel free to direct them towards uh, JCA, walk into a bar, 
at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at JCA Walk Into a Bar. And um, you okay over there, Rusty? Yes, sir. Okay. Making it, getting in my, I'm trying to center my chi. Shouldn't you be balancing off of a log floating towards a waterfall or something like that? He is in his mind's eye. Yes. Oh, there, there, there you have it. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You got a you got a subject you want to start us off on there, Rusty? No, no, no. We no, uh, no? we neglected uh, China last time. We've been trying to talk about China for the yes. last two episodes, so I think yes, should... that's what I've always been complaining about. Yeah. We're only talking about America. All right, America's the only place that exists, right? Let, that's well. If you're wanting to become a citizen, you're going to have to learn that lesson very well, early my, on. My, my, my favorite comment that I had was people who asked me, you know, well, certain individual when I first arrived here, was that, oh, South Africa, um, how far south from Mexico is that? I thought, <laughs> no, okay, this, is, this, 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 this shows a failure of geography on so many levels. I, I kind of all, I'm, I'm, I'm always reminded about that when I talk about things outside America. I have to make sure people... People understand where these places are. I thought we were still in Pangea. Ah, okay. okay yeah, okay. yeah. Or when you have these maps where you change the names of countries around, and you ask people, "Can you show me on this map where this country is?" And then they, they those pick. are the British maps, aren't they? Where they change the names around? Well, no. I mean, I love the ones where you 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 take Iran and you put it on Australia, and then people always look for Iran. Oh, here it is. You know, man. You as you become more and more American citizen, you will grow to realize that America is the center of the universe. The mm. middle the middle kingdom? Yes. yes. What a lovely segue into China. The true middle kingdom. Eh? <laughs> That's the... the kingdom, uh, What was yes. it? The divine empire? Or what was it? The divine kingdom? No, it was, the, it was just... Or just the just heavenly kingdom. It was the heavenly kingdom. Heavenly it was kingdom. The hey, Netflix, kingdom. Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. Excellent. I never finished it. Excellent. Oh, man, that was It was too good. expensive, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean... Well, maybe they had you, people like Dumb and Dumber run it, so that's why they canceled it. No, it, it was really the costs, apparently. Um, it was just... They were filming out it. in Mongolia, mm-hmm. and it was just, well, yeah, but it's like, pick some place that looks like Mongolia, kind of like MASH, you know? They didn't film that in Korea. They filmed it in California because California apparently looks like Korea, so... Minus the weather. Yeah. Yeah. So, minus, minus the nice weather? Yeah, well, it's... Anyways, so... China, Erhard, why don't you start us off on that? Because we've been trying to talk about it for a while. Yes. What I mean, is what is your opinions or what is going on with China? I mean, I think it's interesting that you, well, the interesting point. I think that we touched on this in an earlier podcast when we talked about China's idea of expanding its borders into India and into Russia, into Mongolia, and into the South China Sea. And you really see this, this, this the China kind of flexing its imperialistic muscles, so so to speak, with claiming territory in areas that you know, are owned by other people or that other people have equal rights to. And I think this, this plan is now backfiring because what I've been reading online is that you know, most of these countries and people have kind of turned against China, have become blaming China for the coronavirus outbreak. I think China's lost most of its prestige and ability to actually, you know, go and push people around in the South China Sea area. That this actually started before the coronavirus. It really did. The the pushback you're seeing against China started mm-hmm. and it started always end up in politics. Of course. Probably Trump the first of 
president since before Nixon that's actually stood up to him. And Tricky said, Dick. Yeah, before mm-hmm. I think he was the one that opened China up. Yeah. To, he normalized relationships. At least. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you see all of the manufacturing that's moved to China from, I would say, the the 70s. And now you have this massive, well, it manufacturers mo- simply fleeing China now yes. en masse. And it's we incentivize the way legislation was done in America. Mm-hmm. Moving your business, we incentivized it going to China, which made no sense. Well, I think it probably made sense at that time, cost-wise. But you know, th- this is an economic argument. No, that's if somebody robs me at that time. If they rob me in the morning, or they rob me, pick my pocket at night, they still pick my pocket. If you that's, know that they're robbing you, yes. If you don't know, then nobody cares. Mm. When you find out, then you have a problem with it. The same yes. thing with people embezzle money while they're doing it. Nobody knows, so no one cares. And when you find out, it's like, oh, my God, they've been stealing, stealing from us for all this time? I think they care. They just don't know to care yet. They, they don't know to care yet. No, you're mm-hmm. right. You're right. Can you tell them playing with that whole... <laughs> oh, the whole if, 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 yeah. when, uh, guilty until proven innocent, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a, good, a, a, a good opinion. All no, people it's, should be guilty go, until go proven innocent. Go look at the treaty that Obama, the TC, what was that, the trans... Oh, I can. Uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. We were getting bent over, and that went away. And that that incentivized China to keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, this is, I mean, I I agree with your point. I mean, this is kind of the problem, and we see this now during the coronavirus crisis, that goods, and, well, goods particularly, are not stocked on shelves in stores because they're all produced in China. There's very little local production of goods here within America, so you can't find these things. Mm. Um, and th- this is kind of my 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 point. It might be cheaper to go, you know, buy things from China in in, in the long run. But here, here here's a basic economic argument: you're paying away money that's not going to come back for goods. Whereas while you produce things internally, you the money does not actually go away. You simply reinvest that money back into your economy because you pay wages, you pay salaries, you pay for resources. So the money flow within the economy stays internal. That's that's the principle of the trade deficit, right? That is the principle yeah. of the trade deficit. And see, most people don't even understand what that is, and you just so simply explain that. Three that, years of economics at the University of Pretoria will do that. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like this, that was that was much more simple. Money coming in that never comes back. That's the. You're paying out money that money never going comes out. back. Pardon, how, yeah. This is this is perhaps an over, an oversimplified thing, but how how it was explained to me by my professor was that you have a businessman who stays at the hotel, and he has two thousand dollars with him. He asked the hotel manager, "Well, I have the two thousand dollars with me. I want to put them in your safe." Okay, he said, "Well, good. I can put them in your safe." But the hotel manager understands that you know, he has other people that he has to pay, and by the end of the week, he'll have that money back so he can give that mo- this man his money back as well. So he goes to the baker, and he pays him his money, and he goes to the butcher, and he pays him his money, and he goes to the seamstress who fixed all of his sheets and pays her her money. And by the end of the week, you know that money has flowed back to the hotel owner, back to his safe, and he can give the businessman his money back when he leaves. That's how... Cash and the flow of money works within an economy. It's a cycle. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It flows from one industry to, to another. And as much <clears throat> as you can maintain cash flow in that economy, that is the better, the better system. Now, as you pointed out, Robert, you're paying away money to China that never comes back to America. You're making, you're making them the powerhouse. You're because literally you're, bending yourself over in that situation. Yes, because they have all of, all of your money, and they also have all of you, all, all of the goods that you need to survive. And the off initial of. one thing you got to remember with China, the initial push that was exciting about opening that up is because Russia was the dark force, if you dark will, force, at the time, yes. and at we were time. looking for any ally we could over there. Any, and I think, try to normalize relationships, as and, you and, say. And I think that is that's kind of this flawed this flawed idea. The enemy of my enemy is not necessarily your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, those those two things are mutually exclusive, not mutually inclusive, as most people always like like to to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I'm not saying that you know you should produce everything internally because countries no. simply cannot produce everything internally. Well, the big problem they found with the COVID thing is, first off. You hear diversity in every other conversation, but well, where's the diversifying you your supply system? Mm. Yes, that's to where everything coming from one location. Mm. This pandemic proved that one location is problematic. Well, this is it's very interesting that everything kind of went the way that did because when pre- when Trump became president, he's the one that basically said, you know, it's dangerous to be to have all our money tied into this one partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that kind of woke everybody up to the economic side of, of China or the arg- the economic argument of getting away from China. I wouldn't say everyone, but if you not go, everyone. If but, you, you go know, back, he did an interview in the 80s mm-hmm. on Oprah Winfrey, and he, go, and he said, this was Trump then, this was in the late 80s. He said, why are we doing this? He goes, this does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. are... And he was complaining about China then. But see, what COVID did, though, is it kind of woke everybody up to the danger, just like the national security risk, of having all your stuff come from one country. Mm-hmm. Especially one which is now flexing its imperialistic muscles against, you know, all of Indochina. Mm-hmm. Well, Indochina, you know, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and Singapore, even, and then Ooh, Thailand. Quick to call it Indochina. Well, I as a, 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 as a historian, it is well known as, as Indo- China Indochina. not succeeded. Well, you know, the, the <laughs> that sea we of, simply refer to well, it the as the Sea in- of Japan. You know, is that ocean actually owned by Japan? You know, probably not. But mm. the, the, these are the names that that geographers ye- years ago gave. To, to, to places from a European perspective. But granted, you know, China claims lordship over Indochina because they used to be vassals to the Han imperial Chinese state. Mm-hmm. They also claim areas in Afghanistan. Like with, Russia with Northern Ukraine. Uh, like Russia with Ukraine, yes. Yep. Which is interesting because Russia's claim on U- Ukraine dates back to, you know, Catherine the Great, mm-hmm. who, uh, who conquered it the first time. So very, very old, old claim here. Um and then, of course, you know, China now claiming that Vladivostok needs to be returned to China because it used to belong to the Manchu. Who in their right mind takes on Russia? Well, everyone who has taken on Russia well, believes that they to, were in their own right according mind. According to I mean, the last podcast, Finland. Finland. That was <laughs> and well, Finland didn't fair, take them on. Finland defended, but... But then be fair, Finland has never really been in its right mind. Have you met people from Finland? We had a colleague from Finland. I, I Listen, people from Finland, I love you very much, but sometimes you're just crazy. You really are. 
and racist as hell. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I can attest to that fact, you know. That, oh, that, I can. That, oh, oh, okay. Stereotyping. Oh, here here um, are we. No. Um, our Profiling. Coll- our colleague Profiling. who just graduated from the program last year um, was afraid to write his dissertation because um, ethno-nationalist, the ethno-nationalist party of Finland had basically taken over the entire government, and he was writing a dissertation that basically said that there was no such thing as a Finnish national identity. So it was basically uh. like an anti dissertation to the party that was ruling in Finland and he was so he was kind of afraid to write it what's his point Finland has no national identity yeah he's basically saying it was made up it was always part of Russia all national identities are made up pretty Mm -hmm. much they really are yeah Yeah. so at least that's what he was supposed to be I have no idea how the dissertation turned out I imagine I'll find out eventually so John Boone apple seeds and stuff like that that's Mm -hmm. American national identity has also been made up yeah founding fathers were Moses Guns and Moses, Guns yes. And Mo- yeah. yes. But Mo- that's only in Texas. That's how that's how Mo- that's how Moses uh, freed the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gave them all guns. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know that's how the Egyptians took them over too, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, was it AK forty sevens? Because that that would be very Middle Eastern. Uh, I don't know. What was what, what's the gun that the Israeli army uses today? Oh, I can't recall right now. But I mean, on, speaking on, of the Israeli on, on army, spot here, yes. speaking of the Israeli army, did you see there was a news story came out? She's like she's like the Ariana Grande of Israel. She's like the most popular pop star of Israel. Gorgeous girl, and she just got put into the military, and the military doesn't know how to handle it because she's doing her two years required service for Israel. Mm-hmm. She's like super gorgeous, and the military kind of doesn't know what to do because they're saying she's going really? to be a distraction in the ranks. <laughs> Well, look at look at America. Elvis Presley was drafted. Mm. Yes. What do you do do with him? You know. Yeah. You do yeah. nothing. That's what you do. I really think everybody should serve. Two years and then. Two years to fight the to fight the enemies of the empire. You know. Well, it's not spread even, freedom and not democracy. Even to fight, it's the fact that they served. Ah, okay. The fact that they served. So what makes, what will, what will they be doing? When they serve. Because you have to keep these people busy. Something to keep in mind with that scenario you're talking about right there is for every man that you've got, uh, somebody pulling a trigger, there's 10 people supporting him. Yeah, but that's kind of... small... I mean, it could be... There's tons of things. Why don't they have them fix the roads? Uh, Don't they have a giant army engineering corps who's good at building things? Fix the roads, but don't we pay taxes and have a state entity responsible for that? No, that's funded by, well, that funds a massive uh, military budget, but no, I I understand your point, but my question is, what do you do with all these people when you draft them? Because you have to keep them busy. Yeah. Will it be painting rocks or, you know, something, right? Something. The fact that they served, it makes, it it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. It, It really does. Well, who knows? In we might need the America. It would make a huge difference because we have a bunch of we they, have a whole generation of fat cows. They, that, I was waiting to see they, how he they, was going to phrase this. La- lazy people that lazy won't get off your lawn that can't even go outside. Living in their parents' basement, eating their food, smoking their pot. Yep. Drinking his father's beer. Mm, uh, yes. Well, amongst other things. No, that's just that. 
That's actually an interesting an, a, an interesting comment comment you make, Robert. Not to not to harass you too much, but I think you know, who knows? Back to China, maybe people will have to serve when we go to war with China. I don't think we'll actually engage them. It'll be proxy wars. Yes, that's why it's always Fun. since really since the close of World War II, everything's been a proxy war. Last time America fought a, fought a legitimate war. <laughs> <laughs> I would say That's that good, up until then, well, after that, it's just just proxies, you know. There is a lot of well, all, they've all been proxy wars since then. Communism against yeah, capitalism, capitalism, yeah. yeah. Africa well, knows all about that proxy war. Well, I think the reason we never fought a quote unquote legitimate war is simply because the last time we ended a war, we dropped two atomic bombs. I mean, that's the. Uh, most people don't 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 find umbrage with that statement. You know, it's uh, <laughs> not about umbrage. It's just that you know, look what happened the last time we actually committed everything and to fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. it ended with two cities being wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, it also, and that's looking that care. That's a. Careful with that lens because it may yeah. have wiped two countries, but it saved thousands oh, no, yeah. upon thousands yeah. of American um, lives. Where's where's that? It really book? did. Um, there so, was a book I was considering having the students read for American history. So it's okay oh, to no, it save. So it's okay to murder a bunch of Japanese people if you can save Americans. Well, no, it was them or us, right? Where, it was a war. Where is you know? that book? War is war. I can't find it. It's called Hiroshima. Yeah. And it's uh, basically a guy went and interviewed people who survived the bomb blast of uh, Hiroshima. And I think it's a very fair account because while he's recording the the horrors of what happened when the bomb exploded in the aftermath, and some of these people he interviewed 40 years later and found they out they were still alive. They didn't suffer. It didn't seem like they suffered radiation, poisoning, things like that. They lived long into their 80s, one or two of them. And... Um, but I have to hand it to him that he did point out with these with these um, interviewers, and it was actually the interviewers themselves telling him this. Um, when right before the bomb exploded, he, he he remembers looking over at some soldiers who were digging trenches all along the hillside, and he said so that they could defend Hiroshima block by block. And he pointed out the fact that even in Hiroshima, they were training civilians to attack soldiers without guns, with sharpened sticks, whatever they could find. But uh, they were going to make the Americans pay for every foot of that city. And that was actually something that the Japanese citizen noted in the interview. Mm -hmm. And um, that was something that, and this is why I try to tell students, uh, and I had a, a person one time say it was just terrible we dropped the bomb. I said, first of all, we killed more people when we firebombed Tokyo. And set the whole city on fire. And Hamburg. And, and Hamburg and Dresden, famously enough. That was the British, though. Um, who, dropping American bombs. Dropping American, American bombs, yes, yes. But still, the um, the firebombing of Dresden, if you want to read a disturbing account of what firebombing does to a city, read that. That's really awful. But anyways, war, you know, it is what it is. But um, with, with the, um, I always try to tell students, I said, you know, First of all, the fire bombings of Tokyo killed more people in a single night than Hiroshima did in one instance. It's just still one single bomb being able to kill that many people is horrific. I get that. But the reality is is that the Japanese were so... How do I put this? 
entrenched in their ideology. Uh, and some people call it the samurai mindset. Uh, it's more of the the um, Bushido code. Bushido code, yeah. The idea that surrender is dishonorable. We will never surrender. We will fight. The Japanese people were prepared to sacrifice every single citizen of their yep. empire before they let up. And I told students this. I said, I said, what you need to understand is that the, the Japanese generals were willing to let every... And America knew it. We knew if we tried to invade mainland Japan, we would have to burn every square inch of it and kill every man, woman, and child. Because they were training children to come and stab soldiers with sharpened poles, mm-hmm. basically. I mean... It was just ridiculous. And and, to, as, and as if to prove the point, if you recall, when the emperor declared, okay, we're going to surrender, uh-huh. that very night, the military generals led a coup to try to overthrow the emperor Yep, because he had surrendered. And the only thing that stood between the emperor and being overthrown was the imperial guard who took on what? I forgot how many soldiers, but the imperial guard are armed with samurai swords. They don't. Not all of them carry guns. No, they did. They, they did. Ha- yeah, they do carry guns. I mean, Japan, Japan's Japanese army had been modernized for. Oh yeah, but years but by, I'm talking like the old president. school Imperial Guard. That's oh, the Imperial Guard. All yeah. of them carried katanas. They all carried katanas, swords, but, but they also but had they rifles. Out, yeah, I know, but when they ran out of bullets, they started killing these guys with katanas. But the Imperial Guard slaughtered. I forgot how many soldiers attacked the Imperial Palace, but they took them out. I think we need a. They were no joke. We need a reference on 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 this one. This sounds like conspiracy theory to me. <laughs> But, but he, that the Japanese are well trained and were able to take out their own soldiers. Well, not 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 that, but the whole you know have to kill every every single citizen. You know that 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 viewpoint I think is a bit slanted. But mm. here's here's a question for the philosophers: ha, If the roles had been uh, reversed, don't you think the Americans would defend every square inch of their country as well? Definitely, everybody's got a gun. Then they would have today. Oh, they can't wait to give I it think, up. I think today. <laughs> I think today they would have gotten as far as the Rocky Mountains. No, let me take that back. They would have never made it through Arizona. No, they wouldn't have made it. <laughs> or Nevada. It. Nevada <laughs> or Utah. Utah. Yeah, they wouldn't have stopped right there. <laughs> California would have rolled out the red carpet. And Washington the, and Oregon. And the new Iron Curtain would have been the Sierra Nevada mountains yes. between California and the rest of the U.S. Ah, okay. Owned, owned by, by, by the Japanese. Sort of like the man, the man, man in the high castle. I was going to say the man in the high yes, castle. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Rocky Mountains was no, was basically the... Um, I forgot what they called it, but it's basically where all the Americans escaped to, and nobody wanted to go in there because they knew they'd get annihilated. I, I was fortunate enough to um, look at some of these old Soviet-era plans for the mm. invasion of of the United States, and they always said, you know, invading invading the South would would be fairly easy, invading the North would be fairly easy, but they always said the the American South, you know, the old the old South would have been a problematic area because they all say everyone there is militant and armed, and they would have to um, deploy at least five million soldiers to pacify this 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 area. And I always enjoyed enjoyed these these plans the Russians made. They always said, you know, invasion from the North would be easy, invasion from the South would be easy. But it's always the South that's this problem area <laughs> that they all identified. Oh, well, I mean, even the Rocky Mountains. I mean, you think about how many people up there. Live off the grid. Well, well still, and how much I mean, of the Rocky Mountains is still actually unexplored, especially when you get up there into Idaho and Montana and up in there. I mean, there's places nobody's ever set foot. No, because civilization is not extended there quite yet. Well, that's fair. Uh, when I was out in Wyoming, uh, we were on a ranch digging up dinosaur bones, and um, that's when I was basically told, "Yeah, this entire county is one single ranch owned by a single family." Ah, okay. 
I'm like, I, I don't understand how one family any, owns this much land. Did you find any golden plates, perhaps? I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. Oh, okay. It's okay. not yet time. It's not yet the appointed time. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> not, not the appointed time yet. Okay, okay. Just, just, just checking to make sure. <laughs> so, when the time comes, you shall all, you shall both be given the light. Oh, good. Oh, mm. good. Oh, good. That's some, that's some fun part. So you don't think we'll have a Chinese invasion of the United States, you know? No, Like there's two terrible no, movies. No, China has what, four or five aircraft carriers? They if, would just throw people at, the, at, at America. It, China, I believe in the uh, mad, if you will, mutually assured destruction. It does work. I... Um, What's that quote from um, Black Lagoon? Which one? The <laughs> one from Miss Bella Laika. She's the, she's the member of the Russian mob. Uh, oh, wait, I have it written here. Okay. I don't think there's any need for justice. All we, all we really need is profit and trust. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. They should put that on the money. <laughs> all we really need is profit and trust. <laughs> they should put that on the money. You know, instead of um, in God in God we trust, it's profit and trust. No, right? it's, uh, it's, but no, there's that thing is that I, I, I have... I have faith that the Chinese elites do not want to lose power or money, and to go to war with us would be disastrous for them. So they will do what they have always done and adapt to the new situation. I think I think that the, the, what they're trying to do now, expand their empire, and now everybody's calling them on their bluff, I think they're probably reassessing this whole policy, um, especially if Russia starts moving. Um, because Russia's... Re- Russia has been preparing for Russia's this ever Russia. since the end of the Cold War. I mean, and even look at look at Japan. Japan they just thought it was going to be us, I think. Well, look at Japan rearming itself, mm-hmm. which I think you know, sends sends terror down down the spine of many of of the Chinese. Because in all of Chinese TV, the villain is always Japanese, mm-hmm. just like in American movies, the villain is always British or Russian. Do some reading on what Middle the Eastern. Japanese did when they invaded China, and you will understand. Oh, yeah. No, it was, was absolutely terrifying. I mean, it's not called the, the Rape of Nanking for nothing. Yes. Well, and, and this is what people don't understand, is that these Asian countries, nothing against Asians, but <laughs> oh, these horribly, Asian, these horribly Asian countries. racist. Yes. Japan is one of the most ethno-racist uh, societies around. Mm. I said one of, not the. Um, I mean, they... I mean, I mean, not uh, not everybody in Japan, obviously. I mean, perhaps in the 1940s, I would say. No, they're still pretty. No, they're um, it's still. If they're when Korea you talk too. nationalism, yeah, Japan. Ethno nationalism. That's how I would. That's how I would na- phrase Japan it. would probably be the closest thing to nationalist, as they say, when you look at their population. Um, Korea. They do um, not like outside, Sweden. Surprisingly, is the same way. Sweden? Yep. yep. Just as I knew a, I knew a guy. I thought Sweden was a utopia. Are you? I knew a guy. I knew a guy. It, it he does not watch NBC. Yes, it is sure. for the Swedes. <laughs> I I knew a guy who was Swedish, and his wife was American. She spoke Swedish fluently. Um, I mean, she she tried to assimilate as much as possible, but she can't find a job in Sweden because they won't hire her because they know she's not Swedish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like holy crap. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like the Austrians and the Turks. As much as I love Austria, um, there's eight million Turks that immigrated into Germany. None of them were allowed into Austria. Um, and if you want to, the 
when the Syrians were migrating up from Turkey into Eastern Europe, um, I have never seen a border wall built so fast in my life than Hungary and Austria. Well, Hungary had an interesting an interesting plan when Hungary built its 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 quote unquote border walls. It created a massive exclusion zone around the country where they where these people could could settle, but any everyone in those areas, unless you were a born citizen, had no legal rights. Mm. That was they actually changed 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 international quote unquote legal border to extend a couple hundred kilometers into the country. So everybody who was there was technically in limbo and simply wetted these people out by refusing to give them any humanitarian aid, so they were forced to leave. Now, that is a moral conversation to be had, but, you know, this attests to this idea of nationalism, as you as you say. Japan, I can't talk to. I don't have enough in, in information about that. I do know friends who live there who have residency mm-hmm. and their children who are born there have a a Japanese type of citizenship. I just don't know if it's equal to actual Japanese citizenship. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say that all the Japanese are racist, obviously. Of course not. Ju- you just, just already said that. Yeah, I've already said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am simply saying that I think ethno-nationalism really, really kind of ties that in. It's, it, it, it's... It's an underlying tone in their culture. Sort of like the uh, the um, America for Americans party, you know? Yeah, but we are. Let's go back to 1910. What a beautiful time. Yeah, but see, that's the thing about America is we were never really, to, uh, were never really able to set down what Being was the American official is. ethnicity of America. Because <laughs> there is no ethnicity. Exactly. So that's, and that's something, uh, there are people trying right now to kind of, you know, do that. But yeah. So there was something in the news I was going to bring up, and now I can't remember. Are we? What else on China? Are you? Have you gotten? It out, have you gotten it out yet? Or yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of kind of interesting to hear to hear your opinions on on China's expansion and kind of what they're trying trying to do flex flex their muscle. And yeah. now you know they've always flexed their muscle. Right now, the only reason you're hearing about it is because it's negative. Mm-hmm. And that's what the media's got to put out. They were flexing before mm-hmm. Trump came into office. Oh, yes. Actually, they really didn't have to flex as hard because of the treaty that Obama was well, quick to sign, I mean, which was going to be a wreck to our economy. I mean, even even then, you've, you've heard me ramble about this endlessly, about the neocolonialism that China is committing in Africa, buying up mines, resources, Building infrastructure. Now, granted, this is the, it's a good thing that the Chinese are helping African countries build infrastructure, much needed infrastructure in their country. Drug lords but, do that all the time in South America. Well, because <laughs> I the mean, government, come on. because <laughs> the government doesn't, which is a fascinating story. A dear, dear friend of mine is working on a book that deals with that that argument of drug lords are building infrastructure and delivering services because the federal government doesn't. Yeah. Then there's a big a big debate to be. I don't know if I would call that. them a federal government. When Mexico, when Mexico de, um, denationalized the mining industry and the oil industry, the cartels were basically the only ones that were that had the funds had to money. buy into that uh, institution. Mm-hmm. And this is what I and this is something that I studied under Reinhardt about honor and violence is that you have these mob families and these people who made money, you know, millions of dollars for generations. And they get tired of fighting after a while, and they want to, quote-unquote, legitimize. 
So how do you legitimize? Well, we saw with the mob in America, right? They legitimized by building Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, all those old families in Jersey and New York, they just took all their money. They were going to do it to Cuba first, and the Godfather trilogy really kind of shows that in the yes. second movie. They were going to take it to Cuba first, then the revolution happened, so they went out to Las Vegas. And that's where all that money is. And they still run those casinos. They just don't. Nobody knows. You know, it's it's run by different people as a kind of. They're making the money off of that. Yeah. Um, you, the, the mafia old, in Italy mm-hmm. has. A cosa nostra, you mean? They're still they're still doing well, they crap still, to their own people. They but still they're, own Sicily. But their biggest thing now is making counterfeit olive oil. <laughs> I mean, and so no yeah, such thing as virgin olive oil. Uh-huh, exactly. yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's counterfeit. Um, so in Mexico, you're seeing kind of the same thing, which is when when the gas industry and the mining industry became available, these people bought into it. Mm. Now, interestingly enough, the the second biggest investor in Mexican oil was Germany. I remember when we went down there to Guanajuato, central Mexico, I saw trucks with the German eagle on it everywhere. Like, what is going on here? And come to find out that Germany had bought most of the oil in in that central part of Mexico as far as refining well, I mean, and stuff. Talking about oil, this is the problem with the neocolonialism of China, that they build infrastructure and then they have the government sign away rights to resources. Mm-hmm. Coal, copper, gold, steel, coal oil, so forth. And then they, 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 they simply plundered those industries while the government simply is doing nothing within, within Africa. I think there, there you see this, the, the, the dark side of Chinese d- development, which you know detractors of China are quick, quick to jump on, rightly so. And then, of course, the apologists for China never mention these, these sim- simple facts. Are you talking about Danny Haifong? Yes, Danny Haifong, mm-hmm. chief amongst them. Great, oh, great defender of China and and the the virtue of China. Granted, China has ha, has virtue, contributed a great deal to to history, but I think it's impossible to miss the layovers between you know the well destruction of natural n- natural beauty, the plundering of resources under this guise of helping people that you see in Africa today. I mean, they're leveling whole mountains in Africa. Because that's how rich Africa is. They have a, they have a whole mountain. Oh, you see, coal. yeah, you see like a mountain over here. Well, it's all copper. Yes. Literally a mountain of copper, and the Chinese will literally just level that mountain down to the ground and dig further down. That's yeah. not technically all of it made out of copper, but yeah, it, there's copper it, veins it, running it, through it. It's that rich. You might as well mine the whole thing. Yeah. So they just literally level the mountain. Coal, coal, coal as well within Mozambique. I've I've seen this uh, roads are being built in, in Mozambique from the north to, to the south. And then large swaths of these roads um, for about, let's say, a kilometer on each side. These verdant forests are leveled. They're cut down to the ground. All that wood is packed up and shipped back back to China. And the excuse is, well, no, this is how we build roads in China. We, 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 we build a road and then we level everything for a kilometer on each side of this road. Like, really? Why? Are you planning to build a road system that's a kilometer wide, running from the north to to the south? I mean, clearly not. You are doing this so you can take these verdant wood forests and ship them back to China because that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, this this is the extraction of resources that the old colonial powers could only dream of. Yeah, because now they have this MacGuffin 
to say, well, we're developing the country, but we're not the evil European colonizers of the past. We are the new colonizers. We're the good guys, but we're doing the same thing the old Europeans yeah, we, did. Yeah, we learned the lesson of, uh, of, colonial, of colonial imperialism of the 20th century. You know, we're, Who's we? China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah China. No, that's what they're saying. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we learned the lesson, so we're just doing it better than they ever could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're paying these people. Oh, well, the money never gets to the people. It stays, in, it stays, stays with the higher-ups of the government. Of the government. Well, yes. that's their problem, not ours. Yes, that is their problem, not ours. It's like, you know, I was watching a Chinese military parade the other day. and Aren't they fun? Oh, I have to tell you, Xi Jinping has that look down. Like when he was, you know, he's riding in the in the staff car like the old days, and he's he's standing up, and when he's looking at his troops, he has the most benevolent father figure face. Just the whole time when he's looking at his troops, it's like, like like he has love and adoration for him. He's got it down pat, man. How much right. acting classes did he take? No, he just knows what he needs to do. I mean, it's it's just he he knows. It's like, it's like a father and his proud children, just just like this benevolent look on his face. Who I would sac- who he would sacrifice without a second thought. Oh yeah, I mean, he, how he, benevolent, right? So it's like, man. So, but yeah. So, you want to move on from China or? Yeah. Yes, I think we pretty well covered it. Yeah, so I just ranted. You both. Agreed. Well, everybody thinks well, you the, both just agreed with me. So it's okay. There's a lot of people thinking we're going to go to war with them. I'm like, not really. That'd no, be, that'd be disastrous <laughs> for both parties. They may, however, try to go to war, freaking Russia. Well, I mean, Russia or Japan or some other place. You know. Russia will have that fight. But, you know, I, they haven't I had a good scrap in a while. Well, I don't think Putin will 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 stand down from anything. Oh man, I don't think he'll have to. Did you see? Um, the guy who was running against Putin, his political rival uh, in Russia, got poisoned. <laughs> did you see? It did, on did, the news. did Putin leave his passport? You know, <laughs> just, just a question. Just a question. I mean, it was. It's like, what is it with the Russians and poison? That's their. I mean, these are the people that put thallium in your cell phones, and then you know you have brain cancer after a month, and you don't realize where it came I think, from. I think they use is it all, thallium. Yeah, yeah, I think so. What but, is it? Thallium. It's a radioactive material, and they they'll like put a little bit of it in your cell phone so that every time you put it up to your head, it's giving you radioactive. Uh, oh yeah, they used yes, to radiation po- poisoning. Yeah, radiation poisoning. Eventually. You should do that to the to the telephones as well in those mm-hmm. office com- complexes during um, the. The Stalinist era, they would put radioactive material in in there as well. Is that what they did in Cuba? Wasn't that the embassy that's... No, they used sound weapons. Um, They used... um, It was a low... There's a certain frequency that um, makes people sick, and they were blasting that. But it's so low that you can't hear it, but your, your inner ear and stuff can detect it. And um, it, yeah, that's what they were hitting that embassy with, was a sound weapon. And it's like well, I have to admire them because they use every opportunity to 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 get at people. I mean, look at what they did did the Rasputin. They poisoned him, they shot him, they stabbed him, and then they drowned him. That was a true Russian right there, and then ruled it a suicide. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he. Oh yes, he, good. That six <laughs> six shots emptied into the man. No, no, he drank a whole bottle laced with cyanide. Yeah, but didn't vodka. die. 
Then they shot him like over six times because I remember the prince emptied his revolver into him. Yeah, they shot him six times. Then they beat him with a chain and he w- still wasn't quite dead. And then they threw him into the, was it the Volga River? They stabbed him. Oh, they stabbed, stabbed him. him. They stabbed him too. And then, well, what happened is they put, they shot him and they beat him and they threw him outside. Then he crawled back into the building. <laughs> And then they, they, they proceeded to stab him several times, and they threw him in, 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 in the Volga. Yeah. I think it's the Volga, yes. Clearly, well, no, or was it St. Petersburg? This is, this is in, in, in St. Petersburg, so it wasn't, the, it wasn't the Volga. I forgot what river runs through oh. St. Petersburg. But yeah, that, there's a true Russian. Yeah, and then, and then when they found him, of course, yeah, it's, if you go uh, back and you look in the archives, you will see COVID-19 written on the death certificate. <laughs> yes, I like that. COVID-1917? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> uh. So it's, but yeah, that, now you got to think if, if you're trying to kill somebody, how terrifying that is to watch a man drink a whole bottle of cyanide and not die. The Nieva. Nieva River. They threw okay. him in the Nieva River as far as I, I mean, can you, and then you shoot him six times and he doesn't die. Then you stab him, throw him outside. The guy and, crawls back in. Well, it was the middle of December, so the river was frozen over as well. So they broke oh, up. So and maybe the cold in. kept him from bleeding out. I don't know, but it that's terrifying to me. If a guy keeps coming back, it's like I shot this guy, right? Well, have you, you seen? Here. Well, have you seen his eyes? I mean, those oh, things man. are terrifying in and of themselves. You you saw Nicholas and Alexander, right? The movie made in the nineteen seventies or nineteen eighties. Yeah, based on Robert K. Massey's book. They're kind of a problematic they had a, yeah, movie but they and had, book, but they okay. Had, um, the guy who played one of the Doctor Whos, um, Tom Baker, played Rasputin. Oh, yes. And he had the eyes down pat. He was terrifying. Those, those, those hypnotic eyes? Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he played that part really well. Perhaps um, too well. Yeah. I mean, he... He was charming when he was in front of the Empress. He was terrifying. I mean, he he had it down. So, um, well, since he slept with half of St. Petersburg, so. Mm. Oh yeah, and he survived STDs. Look at that. Yes. An- another thing, he he has someone on his side taking care of him. Yeah, he's he. What what is it? Caesar said those two those two have powerful gods as their allies. Or something. Oh, on um, HBO's Rome. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that show. Those two suckle at fortune's teat. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I will not. I will not uh, go against people with, with such gods on their with such side. gods on their side. Yes. Uh. So yeah. Hey, did you hear about Biden messaging that they were trying to say that Biden is the? Uh, he was dogging Trump, saying that. His party is the party of law and order, not Trump. Well, now you have Kamala Harris on there. Come on. <laughs> Come so, on. Okay. Um, here's one for you. And this is why I've been watching. So, you know, I, I go to Apple News on my phone, and I just kind of look at the headlines, and every now and then I'll read something if I have the time. But what I've been noticing is a trend of articles that's bringing up the 2000 election between Bush and Gore. Oh, perfect. And I'm kind of like, why are they bringing this up? And I kept kept seeing it, kept seeing it, and then I realized what they're doing. They are setting up a narrative to prepare people for the idea of a contested election. They're oh. um, it is it they're is trying very to subtle. Deli- just like they did with the 2016 election. They're trying to delegitimize Before the results. Before it even happens. Yep, and and I said that only works if it's close, but if it's a sweep, it's done. And 
But I just find that very interesting because I was I was kind of like so um, you you are predicting a sweeping election. Yes, I mean because here's the thing we all, we know that cities like in Northern California, San Francisco, the Valley, things like that, they will vote blue no matter who because they've been brainwashed for so many years. Because orange man bad. Yes, but Los Angeles. Consider Los Angeles. Consider that Los Angeles has a Democratic mayor who is telling people, "I will cut the water and power out to your off to your homes if you are breaking the law by having a gathering inside your house." That's his prerogative. And well, they elected him, gave um, him if that I'm power. President, if I'm president of the United States and he actually does that, I'm going to arrest him for a human rights violation and send him to the Hague and say. The Hague, that, the Hague that America withdrew from? That's correct. Just a question. That's correct. No, no. As a goodwill gesture. Here, take this one. Um, but that's, I mean... I think they should have withdrawn from the Hague. Oh, definitely. But anyways, you get, but you get what I'm saying here, right? Mm-hmm. It, so America... Oh, yeah. So they're being... So they have 50% unemployment. They're being... And I think... I don't think... I'm not saying that California is going to vote red. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think it, it, you might see it not be totally blue for once. Like it will not be, it will not be in danger of turning red, but it will be a lot closer to being red than it once was. An interesting, and I don't know if we talked about this last time, but there was a recent poll that came out that were, they had Biden winning in the poll. Mm-hmm. However, one of the things that's very concerning for Democrats is they ask all of them, who's your neighbor voting for? Mm-hmm. Thirty-nine percent said, "Oh, he's they're they're going with Trump," mm-hmm. which the enemy, right? Translate well that translates into how many people told them they were voting for Biden, who are actually voting for Trump. It goes back to California and the Bradley effect. Mm-hmm. They could, and that's what happened the last election. Part of it, yeah. But you've so demonized a guy that. Yet his policies are that good, they benefit from them. They will just, because the exit polling has become a joke because of the ostracizing and demonizing that's done. I saw an interesting article the other day where they were talking about the average increase of income in middle-class homes. Underneath Bush, it was like 1,034 in his in his term as presidency, that's for all eight years. Under Obama, it was five hundred and something, the average increase. Under Trump, in the last four years, the middle class family income, on average across America, has increased by five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. On average. On average, yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I can probably say that my mom's salary has increased increased by that much, um, probably over the last four years. Although. Mm, and when yeah. you start talking five hundred dollars, even a thousand, you're not even fighting inflation. Your inflation's eating up your money. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's um. But that was an. It is. So, that, so, was, that was my question. What is the actual inflation rate? Yeah, yep. when I'm not you, sure. When you when when you look at these increases, because you can have a five million dollar increase. But if inflation is eating that up, it's meaningless. I, I don't know. With the collection of change and everything else, maybe they're trying to destroy a lot of money. To, well. It's a good way to fight inflation. I would get get rid of the dimes and nickels and stuff like that. I would get rid of the penny. I'm sorry. It's time. I mean, I like these. Leslie loves having these smashed pennies that you get at tourist things and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But come on. If the only reason that we we still have the penny is because there's a senator from Illinois that keeps blocking it every time it comes on to the docket to be voted on, you know, that's actually what happens. 
the senators from or the congressmen from Illinois block the stupid thing because Lincoln's from Illinois. Just passed legislation that Illinois has to pay the cost of creating these things. Hell, just do an executive order. Ah, rule by fiat. There you go. I like it. Well, you know. Ex-catheter. By the way, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, No, I was thinking about this because somebody asked me. So, you know, Leslie's family, um, a lot of them are up here from Mexico. Um, Some of them are going back now, but... um, they were asking me my opinion on some of this stuff. And I said, you know, in in this, everybody's looking towards Congress and Congress is failing them as far as the, um, as far as the, um, stim- any type of stimulus or recovery package is concerned, a second one, rather. And um, when Congress couldn't get its act together, Trump had to do those executive orders to, to still benefit people and help that get them through. And people aren't going to forget that. Mm-hmm. And people are not going to forget that the, when he did that, the Democrats immediately came out and said, well, we're not even sure it's legal for him to do this. And it's like, yeah, but you... Doesn't, why would you even say that? This is... this is, this is, this is, this is We're the, not even sure it's legal for him to help people. Well, this is, this is the farce. Who the hell cares if mm-hmm. it's legal or not? People exactly. are getting money. Exactly. And, and, you know, we can prattle all we want about institutions. Your voting base doesn't care. We can prattle about institutions and what's right and what's wrong and what is the truth. These things are ultimately meaningless when it comes down to people's perceptions. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you see this when people receive money for things that they that they need. I mean, couldn't care who gave them the money. The devil himself could give them the money, and they'd still take it. Yep. Not that I'm saying Trump is the devil. You know, Trump is rather. rather but that's a good. But that's a good analogy because there are plenty of Democrats out in California that are out of work, that needed help because they're all becoming homeless now. And and here he signed this executive order, and they think he's the devil. Incarnate, probably yes, and, they, and I guarantee worse, you, they yeah. cash that check. Wouldn't you? Yes, because reality and people's perception of it often clash. But then reality sadly wins out when you're starving on the street. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And it's, and you know, so Kyle, I I can actually tell Rusty, you can now call, um, you can now officially call Californians Californians from Democratic Californians insane. Because what's the technical definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting it the same way, expecting a different result. Yeah. So a bunch yep. of people flee California because of the policies enacted there, and they come predominantly to Austin here in Texas. To you, eh? Yes. And <laughs> suckle at the teat. <laughs> and um, well, then they, they vote they're, in. They're big enough. Then they vote. Uh-huh. Where's that gun, Rusty? Mm-hmm. I see your exercise shoes are still in the same place they were when I was here a month ago. Haha, <laughs> for the people who cannot see, they have moved. They're now safely stored in the closet where they cannot get dirty. <laughs> and there they shall remain a small Entombed. monument to a large failure. <laughs> Entombed, as it <laughs> in, yes. in their sarcophagus. In their sarcophagus. <laughs> Until the day when I shout Yatuai, Yatuai. And they shall rise again. And they shall rise up. Beautiful thing. Yes. Uh, anyways, got off track. But no, they come to Austin and they vote for the same people and same policies that caused them to flee California. Yes. I didn't see this until um, Stephen Crowder did a special. He went down to Austin and walked 7th and 6th Street, which is where all the businesses usually are. They're all boarded up. And to his whole thing, he says the whole city smells like bum piss. Now... Um, how does I, he know how that smells? Well, to be fair, last time I was down in San Antonio, 
I was walking the river walk, and San Antonio has a large homeless population that they don't try to clean up. And we walked by, and I could smell the piss from like 50 feet before we got to where it actually all was. And I was like, man, the river walk used to be like really nice. They're trying to sell as a wholesome family thing. You can't sell as wholesome and family and have people going down there when they're smelling piss everywhere. Because that, you know how that stuff stinks. I mean, what should you do with the homeless? Round them up and soil and green? You're right uh, about the insanity thing. Well, that's that's and the technical you go, definition and of insanity. Something that was brought up recently, uh, a congressman asked this, show me the commonality you will find in every city right now that is self-destructing. And that's what Seattle and Portland are doing. They are self-destructing. Mm. The one commonality... Kind of, kind of interesting to watch. One commonality you find in all of them is they adhere to blue policy. I'll call mm. it blue policy. Now, and it fails. To be to be fair and balanced, mm. I will point out that people on the right do this just as much on certain issues. Like the one that I can basically say the most is the teaching of absence only programs. <laughs> Because what does that have to do? wait wait? No, uh, no, hold on. I'm just talking about I'm just talking about on the political spectrum. These different things that people keep trying. This is to not a political over and over spectrum. Again. This is destruction of a city and its people. I get that, but okay, on the but, but on the right, like, but on the right, you have a destruction of of a family and um, the burdening of the state with unwed mothers. And, and that translates to this same I'm conversation. Just, I'm just, yeah, it translates the same conversation it's because it's the same principle. we said something about the left. We have to now say something bad about yes, the right. Yes, because we're better than Fox News. Uh, no, they, <laughs> call it. That's the problem. That that's is the, that's being politically correct, and that's what's not, wrong. Not, with, that's what stinks about most of these conversations. They mm, have to turn to politically correct. I'm not trying to be politically correct here. I'm just saying that this idea of trying to do the same thing over and over again is. Not just the left; it's also on the right. That's oh, why I'm, I'm not, not left saying or right. It, it, I'm I'm trying to understand how that conversation. I'm not trying to correlate it at all with the implosion. Then why of cities. bring it up? We were because, talking about something because else. in my because in my mind I'm th- I'm thinking you know this is this insanity thing is not just something that's on the left. It can no, I and I don't disagree yeah. with. So that. sorry, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say. But the I two was are related. talking yeah. about. City destruction. We were talking yeah, about blue policy. For, forgive me, I forgot to ring the bell to change the subject. Okay. Um, no, no. I mean, finish it. But I mean, even. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I can see what you're saying now. That it's it, like it just kind of made you go, but, wait, where but, the hell did that but, come but from? But you know, I think um, I think also, right. <laughs> I think also to say that all blue policy everywhere is equal is also a bit of a fallacy. And I grant that you know, no, I Portland I didn't and, say mm-hmm. they were all, but I said the the commonality. commonality it, yes. yes, there is a commonality. There's oh, yes. there's anomalies, and then you start saying, "Wow, we got a these, pattern these here." These things mm-hmm. are now yes. we have a pattern. There. Look at Chicago. Look yeah. at Detroit. Look at Portland. Well, I yeah. think can, can we give look Detroit back to Canada? Uh, they wouldn't take it now. They would probably say no. no. Uh, now, you want an example of a, of a democratically run city that I think is run very well in a state? It's Massachusetts, and specifically Boston. Uh, Boston's been a democratic city oh, yeah. for how many years? Forever. And I every time I go there, that is one of the cleanest cities. I like Boston. I love Boston. I do. And it's because those are some Democrats that haven't lost their minds. 
No, I understand how how governance works. And well, they, they call themselves a commonwealth, and I'm not quite sure what the difference is between a commonwealth and and the another a different. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Their system. It's kind of like Louisiana has the parish system, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're set up just a. I, I I don't know quite enough about it, but all I know is is that every time I go to Boston, Boston reminds me so much of Fort Worth, mm-hmm. big city with a small town feel. Um, they don't let politics divide them. It is it is this this, I mean, this commonwealth idea that you know, in, in in commonwealth systems you have a large let's say state looking at the British Commonwealth you have mm-hmm. this partnership between between different countries and there's a large board that make all the major decisions but the actual operations of things are left over to people on the ground. There mm-hmm. isn't a lot of interference from the from from the, so the bottom central authority. Up mentality? It's sort of a you know, it, it's sort of a you know the top does take care of all of the big things, mm-hmm. and you know, the bottom is there to sort these things out on their own terms, without interference from the without people at the top. Without too much interference from peer on the top. However, that, the top will interfere. Yeah. If you know, if you're breaking the law, breaking the law, things go horribly that wrong. That makes that makes sense because whenever we were up there, my uncle would always tell me that that the people who had the most power were like the county board of commissioners. The county board of commissioners. Or, or, this, or, or the, the railroad the, commission in Texas. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. Or the, um, oh, what do they call them? The, the village um, the village council. Village council. Because yes. there's still little villages up there, you know, from the 1600s in Massachusetts, and, and they have and, village and, town halls. And that is, that is the basis for the Commonwealth system based on the British model. I mean, mm. you have these little counties and towns who, who manage themselves. The big government, quote-unquote, looks over all of these things and takes care of the, all of the big problems, but it, it mainly stays out of the small regional problems. And, you know, Boston's a... a fairly large city and yes, i don't very, see it i don't see it in the news like you do new york no. or los angeles as far as suffering from did covid it, did it have protests yes it did but the, the protests finally in boston weren't exactly destructive that's why you didn't hear hear much about it Be, it's because they were actually protests and not riots they, yes. there was a very protests. distinct difference because bostonians the love their, their city, city. And they don't want to destroy their city. Well, if you just this is there's a there's a there's a there, it, there's a tight knit there's something about and I guess it goes back to the they like to say Boston strong, like to the bombings that yes, happened because they have a no, they I have go, a shared culture, and have, a shared identity. Uh, yeah, they have. I mean, they have a rich, rich history there. They're reminded. You walk downtown. Oh, that's the freedom. Oh, there's Bunker Hill. And you here, know what I mean? And, 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 this is where the Boston is, Massacre took place. That is, well, uh, massacre, sure. Well, four people did. That's how it's titled. I Six know. people did. I Propaganda think. at its finest. Oh, yeah. Um, but Thank th- you, th- that, Paul is, that is my point, Robert. We, we talked about this endlessly. There you have a community that creates a shared history mm-hmm. out of all the things that are, that are, are, are there. And granted, also, not a shared history made up, a shared history that, yes, it. it our history is as colorful as you can get. There's good, there's bad. So you're bad. saying that Boston wasn't founded in 1619. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> just want to make sure. <laughs> on, 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 on that, on that, well, let me finish, then I'll get, I'll get back on, on the 1619 project. But I mean, Boston creates a shared culture, a shared, because I'm a cultural historian, a shared identity. We are, we mm. are not, and yes. they might not even say they're American. They say we are Bostonian. Yeah, we definitely. We are bo- people from Boston. These are and this, the idea of being Bostonian transcends race, which is fictional. It transcends cult, well, external culture. If you're an immigrant, color, religion, all these things. All people who live in Boston are Bostonian. 
That is, that is the idea. And it used to be that way that you would sell the idea of being American, regardless of which part of America you are from. You are part of Britain. You're British. doesn't matter which part of the empire you're from. You're part of Brit- You're British, quote unquote. Um, and I think that is the important thing. Hopping back onto the 1619 Project node was not founded in 1619. I know. <laughs> and the, my, my, my criticism of the 1619 Project is that it assumes too much. What do I mean by that? If they said that the history of black people or African-Americans, whichever term you want to use, is integral to the history of the United States, period, I would say you are completely correct. Because there is no way that you can remove black history from the American history. And that's why I think Black History Month is stupid. Because you don't have a black, you don't have a Jewish history month. You don't have a Polish history month. The, 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 Black History Month should be part of the actual historical narrative of America. We look mm-hmm. at America, you say Americans. Totally agree. So you're saying Black but, History Month is a form of segregation? I, I, Absolutely. In a way? I, I do believe that is correct. No, I think that's a strong you, argument. You, yeah. you, you, you are removing a critical history of this country out and on, on its own. It should be taught within the actual narrative because it is so deeply entrenched in the narrative. Mm-hmm. You do not have America if you do not have the plantations of the South. This is simply an emphatical truth. Robert. No, I, I, I totally... I totally agree with that, but that problem starts... Now we're talking about we have to have a black national anthem and, and the American national anthem. We're doing it to ourselves. This is we're segregating it. We're and this goes back to the many-headed hydra. Mm-hmm. Got to keep them divided and yes. against each other, so, so they it, don't rise up against the elites. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Because that's all that's going yeah. on right now. And no, you're you're right. I mean, it, or it, ever have you applied for anything that didn't? Are you African American? Are you? Uh, Hispanic, Hispanic, or you Asian, Hispanic, or you Caucasian? Yes, I always love or to fill other, in. I always love to fill in other because yeah. it, it, it's it's that's just that's where the division system. starts right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and, and, but I think we've talked about on this before that if you get rid of those things on the forms, you know, fill out what what is your race, what is your ethnicity, that all of a sudden the privileges afforded for being that minority disappear as well, because if you start having on government forms where the government no longer sees what your ethnicity is, no longer sees what your yeah. quote-unquote race is, then they have no way to attribute to you more money or or special interest. And see, we, we talk about, and you said, a quote, race is fictional. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, it, is race fictional? Uh, I mean, okay. We, every one of the policies our government does... It advances. It advances what we were, we're saying is fictional. Yes, it's, yes. It's, been, it's been institutionalized to the point that people accept it to be a truth. Yes, including people of color. And, 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 and he, he, why I'm saying race is fictional is that if you look at any biology, there is no difference between someone who's Caucasian, someone who is from African descent, mm-hmm. and someone no. who is from Asian descent, there's no biolog- biological difference. The we're only, all homo sapiens. We're all homo sapiens. The totally only difference agree. comes in with skin to- color. Totally agree. My point was we acknowledge it's fictional. Yeah. You say it's fictional. Then why does the government keep advancing the fictional narrative? To keep us divided, perhaps? <laughs> Thank you. Keep itself I mean, in power. That's, uh, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
This, I mean, this is the same thing when you look at the the religious wars of Europe. Oh, it's the Protestants against the Catholics. Oh, it's the Calvinists against the Catholics. I mean, it's it's the us and them mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Um, the Puritans as well in America who fled religious persecution so they could persecute other people here for their mm-hmm. own religious beliefs. And the same um, thing. Us you had um, John Rolfe? Yes, John Rolfe. Who was a Puritan and did not want to persecute anybody, just wanted to live in peace, and he went and founded Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, and in fact... Well, he and what's the, um, the woman's name who did it as well? Ann Putnam? Yes, they were. Ann Putnam. I always remember that because there was a ton of Ann Putnams, and one of them was accused of witchcraft. Yes, yes. Or, or was, was the girl that did the accusing of witchcraft. Oh, I can't um, recall. There was a bunch of Putnams here. They were, they were a very fertile clan, that one, the Putnam clan. We actually have Putnams living here. Really? Um, yeah, so... Are they witches? You don't know. Huh? <laughs> I doubt they listen to this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> well, they might now. They therefore, might get that therefore voodoo doll. They are. <laughs> therefore, um, get that voodoo doll out. You know, start mm, stabbing. Yeah. So, but no race. We know we can trace when the word race was invented, when it was yes. started, when it was starting being used, and then we can actually document the attempt to co-opt science. To try and prove the existence of race, yes. beginning with origin of the species. Origin of the species, and and this is what is this is what is so very interesting, is now that I see it because um, I made that argument one time that there's no such thing as race, and I argued with a black guy about it because he refused to accept that race was constructed or not real. Mm-hmm. And, See, that's what I mean. And so, and so here we have basically that that uh, race has been has been so, as Ehard put it, so institutionalized, so accepted by society that we accept it as real. And so, my narrative is is that it's it's not. It is completely invented. It's a political tool. Well, it has become that. And At the beginning, it was used specifically to keep um, give the whites a feeling of superiority and to justify enslaving. Uh, the slaves from Africa. You and are not su- just slaves from Africa, Native Americans. Yes. yes. Very much so. But specifically, I mean, even there, um, what's the, what's the um, pseudoscience where they were talking about skull size? Phrenology. Phrenology. And that's that's part of that entire construction yeah. of, of, of race where you have, and particularly in, in, in England, it's, the, it, it's created to justify, you know, the superiority of British imperialism over the lesser beings, mm-hmm. the lesser races, you know, including the Irish, funny enough. They were also identified as a lesser race. Yeah, if you look mm-hmm. at the skull, you know, the yes. way the skull is designed, or, um, and they show that in Django Unchained, I believe. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character was showing them a skull. He mm-hmm. said, if you look here, there's a little bone that sticks out here next to the or spine or something like that. And he says, and this makes them... Um, I think more subservient or something like yes. that. It was like straight out of a book from that time period. Yes, what, they, what he was um, saying. I I can can can't recall exactly, but there is there's a wonderful book. Well, it's wonderful and it's completely fictional from the 1860s, made by mm. the British um, um, surgeon surgeons corps that you can look up on online that deals with the identification of races. And it goes into page after page after page of all these skull analyses, bone analogies, and things that are made up, mm-hmm. simply made up, and then presented as fact to be say, well, these people are different races because they have all of these 
genetic differences, that have these featural differences, that have these bone structure differences, and they're all completely fictional. In one of the one of my favorites, of course, is where they looked at um, the the skeleton of an African man who was working on a plantation, and they said, "Well, look at his bone structure. His upper body is, is so much stronger. The bone structure is so much denser." He was "quote unquote" genetically he, born he to be a beast of burden. Genetically born to mm-hmm. be a beast of burden. However, we now know today that if you do hard physical labor for an extended period of time, your bone structure literally it evolves become, be, well adapts it, it, it adapts to become mm-hmm. even harder and stronger mm-hmm. than 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 normal mm-hmm. it, now it's and see this is what's and this is like this is like the third time we've talked about the construction of race and i i think maybe it's because we keep coming back to it because nobody's talking about it well and everybody everybody just assumes that it's real and uh, you know maybe that's our message it's one of the things that we need to just stand on and say race is invented it's not real and as soon as i think people can come to that understanding um a lot of issues will be ended yes which is why it's in the interest of those who want to keep power to perpetuate the idea that there is such thing as race and now i'm not saying that now everybody the main question i always get asked when i say that is that you're saying racism doesn't exist i said no no no, no, no. racism yes racism is the belief in race yes and the belief that because there's different races superior yeah that some races are superior that's racism definition um and i saw an article now i'll be honest with you I, i was thinking about not subscribing to the atlantic anymore because the atlantic magazine has had a whole bunch of just one side leaning articles but when I went on their website, I found articles leaning to the other side. I'm like, well, why don't you just put both in the magazine and give it a more balanced approach? Mm-hmm. But whatever. Point is, I found some interesting articles. But on there, there was one guy that says, we need to change the definition of racism in the dictionary. And I was like, yeah, but here's the problem. You're, you're talking about changing the word, the term racism, to fit your ideological viewpoint. Yeah. And... That's that's my problem. Is that is and if you look at yeah. the definition, if you take if you take an Oxford dictionary of racism from the eighteen the middle mid eighteenth century, racism's first definition is the science the belief in the science of race. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's basically the belief in the science of race, but added to that the belief yeah. because you believe in the science of race of race ergo um, that your race is superior to yes. another. Yeah. You put Which it you put it you best, Earhart, when you say it, it's it's institutionalized. It's now. institutionalized, yes. yes. And that's not so. So this is what's interesting. Like I wouldn't call service. that. I wouldn't call that institutionalized racism. No, it's not institutionalized. It's racism. not institutionalized racism. The idea of says. race is institutionalized. Yeah, as long as you yeah. have it, forever and ever, as long as you have people, we. It, these forms and stuff enforces race. Enforce those things, yes. It, it perpetuates this fictional, yes. and it's never going to go away. No, it isn't. And, and this, is, this is kind of the gaff that I give people often. Say, well, when, when, when do you think things will really, when, when do you think we'll really have racial equality? I tell them, when you don't have to fill in your race on a government form. Mm-hmm. That is when we will truly have racial equality. But like I said, a lot of people don't want that because no, if you don't no. fill in that form anymore, you don't get the privileges you get of being an oppressed and minority. I, I don't even look oh, at the, well. and I don't even look at it that way as much as politicians want it more than anybody. Yes, certain ones because as long as they can keep race at odds, mm-hmm. 
they stay in power. Yes, yes. And, and and you know, or it, they get more power. And, I should and, say. And if, if race falls away, what are they going to use then? Are they going exactly. to use socioeconomic position? Are they going to use religion? Are they going to use the fact that people write with their left hands or people who wear baseball caps? They are the enemy. You know. Well, you have tons of people out there that, and I call them race baiters. Uh, and that is exactly they're perpetuating that they're yeah. advancing that uh like i said fictional narrative i think i think if race were to let's say race were to disappear next week i think the next thing that would be in line to use to divide people is religion without there's like no, in the good old days like in the good old days there's no doubt in my mind so we can um, so we can go around and say the Jews did it. Yeah, there's oh, so because there's know. so many different religious beliefs in America. Or the Catholics were involved. Even the Christian, know? even the Christians are so divided, right? Well, because there are how many cults of Christianity are there? A lot. Thank you, cults. <laughs> all religion is a cult. All, all, all religion, per definition, is a cult. Yes, um, but you think about how many different religions there are in America, and think about how that divided the early Americans. Yes. Um, Maryland was created to be a haven for Catholics mm -hmm. because the Puritans sure as hell weren't going to let Catholics live in their colony. I mean, they divided, they segregated themselves according to religion in early New England. Yes. So imagine if, if race, if tomorrow race disappears, I guarantee you the elites, I, I'm almost 100% well, I mean, positive religion is what they would use well, to I mean, divide you, you, people you, next. You have the case where um, Jefferson wrote to, I think it was the Congregationalists. Or was it the Baptists in, in, in his, his, his state writing to him as president? And he said, him that you be assured that there will forever be a separation, a wall, I'm sorry, a wall of separation between church and state within this nation because the Baptists were <laughs> repressing the Congregationalists or the Congregationalists were repressing the Baptists. I can't recall I wanna say, the story exactly. I want to say that was to the Congregationalists. Yes, okay, so, the, so, so the, because the Baptists were repressing the Congregationalists by not allowing them to vote in mm -hmm. elections and things like that. Mm -hmm. You have the Mormon Wars. Yes, in this in the, in this very country, which many people don't know about, I think the the, the anti Mormon laws were only repealed in the nineteen twenties. Mm. If I remember correctly, yeah, I want to say yes. Which is you know, it shows you this 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 divisiveness of, of 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 religion, how it can be used to divide people for for political purposes. Yes, definitely, and and that's and we'll think about how this podcast started, at least the title of it. We had a conversation about religion, three different viewpoints from three, you know, three different religious or non-religious perspectives. And oh, I like how I added the non-religious perspectives. Are you saying that atheism is a religion? Yep. All right then. I was gonna say. Anyways, um, it was the tone of your voice? You know, <laughs> that there was something sinister there. Rather striking. <laughs> there is a stake out back. Oh, okay. Oh, that's for the vampires. Uh, oh, no, I thought so, it was for the other Christians. Mm, so the people who don't believe in the right baby, baby Jesus, right? That's correct. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, we all. Uh, okay, anyways, getting off track. Um, losing my train of thought now. The caffeine is starting to kick in. My mind is racing. Um, Clearly, not doing you any good. Mm, see, he gets me, and then I try to think of a comeback. It's like <laughs> ah, it's not there. May as well move on. <laughs> um, so. You can call me tomorrow if you're coming back. That's right. Write these down. <laughs> 2 a.m. in the morning. Aha! <laughs> what is it? Um, what's that joke from Blackadder? Sir Thomas More. Yes. It's so often that people wish they had thought of something witty to come back when they were 
something that should have been said at the time. Sir Thomas More, for instance, burned alive for refusing to recant his Catholicism, must have been kicking himself as the flames licked higher that the thought had never occurred to him to say, I recant my Catholicism. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Among other things. Among other things. But no, um, just dividing people, I mean, that's... Yeah, so I think I've I think I've beaten that dead horse. Just I think I think religion would be the next thing that they would use to divide. Mm-hmm. To divide. But you remember the reaction of that of the undergraduate that was sitting with us, listening to us talk about religion, and he was just blown away, saying that's not supposed to happen, because religion, you know, people of different religions aren't supposed to be able to have a conversation with each other and or, get along, or people who have differing political ideals. Yes. Um, so, which we also have, by the way, we do. <laughs> I just have to say that clearly to everyone. We do have po- different political ideas, but you know, I think we're all on the same page as far as uh, fanaticism in either direction. Yeah, uh, that's just um, man, a scary thing. It is scary. Well, we've seen history has shown us what fan- what fanaticism of every denomination causes. Well, I think I think Jordan Peterson, as far as like political stuff, Jordan Peterson had it down when he says, "We know how, we we know how far we know what it looks like when the right goes too far. We know how to label that because we've had you know Nazism and fascism, so we know what it looks like when the right goes too far. But nobody has ever put down anything and said um, this is when the left has gone too far. I think we're getting there finally." But this is this is the very thing he was warning about. It's like you know, there's no there's no wall saying okay, the the left has gone way too far and things have gotten out of hand. There's no wall there. We know when the right goes too far. Well, you know, I mean, this is this but, is interesting. People always describe Russia as being the leftist, the great leftist threat. You know, the communist threat. But if if you look at it fundamentally, what was different between Stalinism, fascism, and Nazism? Not a hell of a lot there, much. There isn't really a... Fact. Just the ideology. The, 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 the left-leaning ideology was the only difference, but the effects and the tools used were virtually identical. Mm-hmm. Fanaticism is just what it is. It's fanatics. Yeah. And <laughs> it's no, in the name, think right? Of, think, of, think about this. You, you, you brought up a good point. Mm-hmm. There's really not that much difference, yet we have to... It's very important that we distinguish one from the other, like race. Mm-hmm. We got to categorize it so we can demonize it. Yes. Yeah. What does it matter what side of the political spectrum they're on if they're rounding people up and shooting them in the yep. head? It's, it, it, Thank it, you. It, 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 <laughs> yes. I mean, it's 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 authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. It's at its finest, you know. And that was this guy's point, um, Eric Hoffer, when he wrote the um, the True Believer. Okay. He he basically said um, he has a whole chapter in there where he talks about the interchangeability of mass movements, mm-hmm. and he said there there he says the person. When when Hitler was trying to take over Germany, the the most how did he put it? The people they targeted the most to try and become new converts to Nazism, the the people who were more most susceptible to becoming new Nazis, were people that were already radicalized by communists. Mm-hmm. Communism because mass movements are interchangeable. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because they you can switch one ideology for another and be fine because the reasons why you joined a mass movement are the same. And so oh, the interchangeability even, of mass movements is something even, you wrote on. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Even if you look at how Hitler came 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 to power, people who were disenfranchised from 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 the system, you know, people who were in a position of privilege lost their privilege and now out on the street. You know, they Thank want you, to get France, back. World War One. France, World War One. <laughs> I mean, 
Um, speaking of France, where did the Vichy government come from? Mm-hmm. Just a question. But no one wants to talk about that, of course. They were an ally, so they were good guys. Really. Um, I mean, this, 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 this idea that you always have the disenfranchised people join these mass movements to get in is very interesting. If you look at the Russian Revolution, um, Lenin, Stalin, all these people, they were sort of the out crowd. And they simply removed the, the ruling elites and then became the ruling elites themselves. This mm-hmm. is upward mobility at its finest. Yeah. And and the people who joined the Bolshevik Revolution simply just switched one mass movement for another. They were the radicals and the criminals, most mm-hmm. of them, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, it, it's And the word disenfranchised, if I could touch on that. Go ahead. By all means. On disen, disenfranchised, it, it goes back to how many people are disenfranchised and how many people are told that therefore they believe that? Yes. That is that, that and mm. that is part of that mass that, that mass movement yes. thing that, you keep that telling tribalism. Somebody you know. some, exactly. Yes. Keep telling them that and they'll believe it. I mean, this is this is the point when you look at ISIS. Um, after the fall the fall of Saddam, everybody affiliated with him was ostracized out of all all all, all, all political um, affiliation, all political privilege, you know disenfranchised completely from their position of, of privilege. So what did they do? Well, access to weapons and soldiers, and they started a terrorist organization. I mean, that's, that, that's I think, the danger that you find when people who are in power are moved from power and they want to get back in. Um, you look at the Congo crisis of the 1960s. That's also a whole mess that has actually still not been resolved today, where the in crowd and the out crowd are still fighting because their positions happen to change continuously. Hmm. Look as, at ISIS as, as, as a as radical you, as you religious stroke, movement. As you stroke your beard. He's combing his beard. Okay. Well, I got you a better comb, so maybe you should start using that yes. that that one, eh? It worked a little better. I like it. Huh. I'm gonna grow this but Yeah. Get out. Oh, okay. Good luck wearing a mask over that. <laughs> exactly. Can we- I'll just do this. Yeah, just tie your just tie your just, just tie your beard so, over your face. So Earhart goes three weeks and he thinks that we'll be back online again fully. Three weeks of classes, then we'll yeah. go online. You know, and I think I that's that. I think that's probably because someone somewhere is going to catch COVID nineteen and then because the institutions then want to get sued or you yeah. know get a bad name, they'll probably switch online. And then November the 4th, the miracle cure is going to be out there. You mean you you mean the cure of corona that the Russians invented? Yes. We'll be yeah. handed out. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yes. Just, it's, just, called, just checking. it's called vodka. Well, <laughs> vodka heals so many other wounds, you know. It does. Better than drinking bleach. I don't know. Some people should actually, drink. Should, actually, should, should, some people should drink the, bleach. Actually, depending on the vodka, it's about the same. <laughs> it's like we need some bleach to get the blood off the floor. No, no, just use vodka. vodka. I thought you Russians didn't waste vodka. Uh, this is cheap crap. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheap crap. <laughs> is cheap crap. Is cheap crap. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would always love love about 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 Russian people when they speak English. They speak English. As Russians do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite thing. But then again, English is not exactly the easiest language to learn for people who are not native speakers. Yeah, it's a challenging language. It's a strange, it's a silly place. It's a silly mm. language. Yes, especially when it came to America. 
And all the rules of English just went out the window. Yeah, all the rules were thrown out, you know, because local people didn't go to school for nearly 50 years. (laughs) That's right. Just invented stuff. Yeah, made Mm -hmm. up things. Um, When we were in Florida, there was a woman from Georgia who had such a heavy southerner accent, heavy, heavy southern accent. And I told Leslie, I said, listen to her talk. And I said, and just listen to it, just the overall tonality of it. Mm And tell me it doesn't sound a little bit like a Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, if you listen to, if you listen to, like not her individual words, but the tone mm-hmm. of her, of how she's talking and the way she ends words and begins words, very close to a Scottish accent. Well, I mean, oh, wow. there's a lot of, well, a lot of Scots-Irish people who then mm-hmm. settled, of course, within, within America, came from Scotland and Ireland. And here, of course, they wanted to stand out, call themselves the Scots-Irish. They didn't want to be Irish. Well, linguists linguists said that um, that the Southern accent, like in the Carolinas mm-hmm. and stuff, is very close to the original English that would have been spoken by the British when they colonized that from that time period, seventeen yeah. hundreds. Yeah. Oh wow. Because well, because the elites kept that kept that accent because yeah. it's what marked them apart from other people. Mm-hmm. So the accent survived down to this day because they kept it alive for yes. so long. So they asked, so they think that the Southern That's- accent. Um, is very close to what the British accent would have sounded like in which the is, 1700s. Which is always my favorite when you watch all these movies about the American Revolution and all the actors have American accents. Yes. It's hysterically funny to me. It never, never doesn't get a laugh out of me. Uh, HBO's John Adams did a pretty good job. Of, yeah, he did a very good job with Paul the Paul Giamatti had a basically a British accent. Well, you know, he had a British slash Bostonian kind of Puritan thing going on there. In the... By that stage, there would have been some slight changes, but mm-hmm. I mean, the educated elites, which, well, they were, they would have definitely kept to that very, very strong British tradition. They had a, mm-hmm. who, who played Hamilton in that, mo- in that show? Uh, Rufus Sewell. I think so. He played Hamilton. He had a full-on British accent, which he would have had because he was from Hamilton, Nevis. Yes, Hamilton had a full British accent. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they did a good job on that show, mm-hmm. which is why I still use it when I teach, so. But, but no, um... Yeah, Earhart gives it three weeks, thinks we'll be totally online. I'm hoping not because it'll be nice to get out of the house and actually teach in person again. It's like, what, is it, what does it matter if one or two people on the campus actually gets, you know, corona? As long as, because so I have... Oh, so it's okay for one or two pe- pe- people to die to save the majority? To save your, da- to save your damn economy? Okay. I remember those Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> we can sacrifice grandma for the Dow Jones. Yeah, gr- grandma and grandpa. You want your grandparents to die to, to win the economy. It's like, you know, my grandmother did not want to... My grandmother said it, she did not want to stay at home, and she recognized the fact that if you lock up all the old people in their homes, they're going to die faster. Depression. Than, than, yeah, of depression, else. exactly, than when they actually, Yep. you know... Um, so selfish children who have coronavirus should not go visit their elders. Hmm. Looking at you, probably what it is political tool being. In, it's a very, oh yes, fear is an incredible tool, mm-hmm. an incredible tool. Did you ever read Frank Herbert's Dune? I showed it to you earlier, mm. but did you ever read that book? Nope. There's a it's mantra a in book. there. There's it's a wonderful book. There's a mantra in there by the Bene Gesserit, and it's fear is the mind. And I'm shortening it down, but basically, fear is the mind killer. I will face my fear and let it pass through me. Then only I shall remain. Mm-hmm. And that, but the biggest thing is fear is the mind killer because when you're afraid, your mind doesn't process things anymore. And that's the, like the biggest takeaway. You would enjoy that book, Robert. And if I taught a, um, 
I guess a world history class, I would actually probably, I think I had talked about assigning that book for a book review. That's a really big book to assign for a book it review. It is, so maybe a graduate course. A graduate level and tell, probably tell people, listen, don't read the whole thing. You know, read, read the sections that are, are important to mm-hmm. what you're supposed yeah, to be Yeah, but see, doing. that's what graduate school is about, is you have to figure out which sections are important. Uh. I'm not telling you, right? But it's, it, you know, it's the a novel. Old, then you'll get bad reviews old, and not, uh-huh. be, and not teach again. Book <laughs> review. Uh, the old yeah. book review MacGuffin, yes. Yeah, yeah, it drives that, the class. <laughs> but see, that thing, you know, is a novel. It's not a historical work, so why do it? It's like, well, if you look at it, I think he was writing that as a commentary on the um, the oil culture in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely. the He, he calls the, so the, the emperor of the, of the known universe in that book. It's a sci-fi fantasy. The emperor of the known universe in that book is called the Padishah Emperor, which is a mis, you know, because you're saying emperor, emperor twice, Padishah, yeah. but he's called the Padishah Emperor. It's so obvious he's referring to the Shah of Iran. And the spice must flow. Spice drives the economy. Yes. Spice makes people live longer. That's, it's, it's a reference to oil. Oil, yes. It's, all the wonders that it gives society. Mm-hmm, because if the spice ceases to flow, all, car- all intergalactic commerce ceases. And so whoever controls the spice controls the universe. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting. And it's funny that you know the, the spice comes from a desert planet, just like the majority of oil comes mm-hmm. from the desert on this planet. Yep, and there's a, there's a radical, fanatic uh, group of natives that um, lead an uprising against the imperial system, led by a family that, was, that the imperial uh, house tried to kill. Um, there's a movie coming out, isn't it? Are they? There, there's 2021? a new, a new, new Dune movie coming out, but it's, it's two parts, apparently. I don't mind that. I'd rather them take a longer time and get it right. Get all of it in, Yeah, yes. try and cut it down to whatever. Um, it should be three movies. It should be. We're in the era you never of know. Three, they might do we're it. We're in the era of three movies now. The trilogy. They might do it. You never know. Everything's a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes, everything is. But I love it because the, the uh, director... Now, if only the American the, government can become a trilogy, it would yeah. be good. Have, the, have that third party, that fifth column, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the, direct, the director and producer of Dune came out and said, this is going to be like Star Wars, but for adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. Well, I don't know. Well, the new Star Wars, regrettably, is for children or oh, people man. Who, who have a childlike mentality. Uh, the, r- the rumors are is that George Lucas has been telling everybody he wants the rights to Star Wars back. Wouldn't you? Yeah, because he feels that Disney has destroyed his, his creation. Well, he was an idiot to sell them in the first place. Yes, George, I'm calling you an idiot. Well, mm. how much money did he get for that? How many hundreds of millions, or was it actually a billion? No, it was hundreds of millions. So you're saying that no matter what you have, no matter Every what you man, believe in, you will, you will, you will accept the bribe for your immortal soul. Every man has his price, even for that which he is unwilling to sell. So you, so you will never be able to be a good politician because you were already bought. <laughs> I. I so you see, Mr. Mercer, every man has his price, even for that which he hopes to never have to sell. Yes, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm, Lord Beckett. Uh, did you ever see those movies, Rusty? You did? Oh, yeah. I loved Lord Beckett. I, and, and people couldn't understand why I loved him so much. Because he is reality. Uh, you the know, pirate fantasy. The immaterial has become 
immaterial, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. Or no doubt you have found that loyalty and honor are no longer the currency of the loyalty. realm as your father has. Then what mm-hmm. is? I'm afraid currency is the currency of the realm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. And I put it in that lecture when he does his little speech about um, as long as products are delivered on time and an ample supply, people are content to be nothing but figures in a ledger. Yes. I mean, so that that is some straight up truth right there, which is probably why the Disney took it out. Yeah, because Disney and truth are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. No. The evil, the evil rat empire. Yeah, so, what? Yeah, we're just, we're just oh. kind of yeah, staring we're, at things. We're staring. I think we're all tired, if we're being honest. It seems like we're not jumping from subject to subject this time like no, we were. No, um, we, Nobody's on fire. Nobody's pissed off about something. Semester we're just exhausted. Started, so. Yeah, started. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for still taking the time to come down here and still do this. And, and I, it's good for us to get together because... There's no guarantee we'll get together during the week once the semester starts anyways. No, it does oh, sound like true. everything's becoming uh online. Madhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. Madhouse is a pretty good definition of it. Yeah. I feel sorry for the chair of our department, the stuff I know he's had to deal with in the last month alone. Uh speaking of which I did want to touch on this real quick because we do have a listener. Um she's a good friend of mine. She's an elementary elementary school teacher. I just saw her in person for the first time yesterday. God bless her for working with those creatures. <laughs> creatures. Yes, they're they not human know. beings. No. They're creatures. Um, they are these things. Spe- these are specifically seventh graders. And any elementary school teacher will tell you that seventh graders are demons incarnate. Because they're, they, they're past the point of being cute and cuddly, and but not yet eighth graders. So they haven't yet arrived. And they're just mean that's why the lash. Yeah, the lash worked, worked, oh. worked for those for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was telling me. I said, "So how?" I said, "How's it going?" Because I I told her I meant to talk to you. You know, text you, see how it was going. And she has had to be retrained three different times in like the last month. Like every other week, mandatory. They all have to show up and go through training courses with a little video and HR person and stuff about COVID and stuff like that. And and they've done it three times now because the stuff has kept changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just annoying the crap out of her. Just things keep on changing? Yeah, because it's like, well, we got this. We have it settled down now. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. And then they just change it at the last, you know. And the next week, it's something totally different. So it's, you know, it's kind of like at first masks didn't work and Dr. Fauci was telling everybody, don't, you don't need to wear masks. And now it's like, oh, masks, masks do work, but they've become a political statement. Mm-hmm. So that someone was wearing a Trump mask the other day when I saw him. Really? Yes. It was actually re- really, really interesting branding, you know, as masks for Trump was the, was the thing huh. on there. I, I rather like the um, brass knuckles myself. Oh, well, I mean... Brass, brass, brass. I, I agree do, with. Uh, do with, speak uh, to a certain demographic. Yes, I do. I do agree with Mark, though, that in the brass knuckles, they needed to put in between each knuckle MAGA. Um, <laughs> 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 so when you punch somebody, it, it leaves an impression. An impression. Okay. Okay. Needed on there backwards so you'd leave the imprint. imprint yes. Yeah. Well, actually, that would technically. No, it wouldn't. It, was, they don't have a brown, a brown shirt that they hand you with, with the knuckles, right? Hmm. I don't know. I have to ask him. <laughs> One for the philosophers, perhaps. Yeah. 
So, anyways, yeah, that she's been she's been going through it. But the other thing was is she, is she is kind of hilarious because um she she kind of got a little closer to me and start, took her voice down. It's like there weren't that many people around us. She goes, "Hey, at, at your university, do you guys have this kind of?" And now she's Hispanic, mind you, she, uh, and uh, she goes, "Do you guys have this?" Um, woke white privilege BS going on at your university. And I just looked at her and said, are you kidding me? We invented that. I don't know if our university she, did, but you know, she <laughs> higher said, ed, I think, yes. Yeah, higher ed. That's what, I, uh, yeah, obviously, higher ed. That's what I meant. I said, universities invented that. And she goes, she goes, because I had a, co- a co-worker come up to me. He's also, he's also an elementary school teacher. I think he's probably in his 20s, late 20s. She said, "Late twenties, oh yeah." And and she goes, and he came up to me and says, "Have you read this book?" And he, and he had like three different books with him. And I said, "Oh, was one of them White Fragility?" And she goes, "Yeah, actually, one of them was." And I said, "Okay, <laughs> I, I know who this oh, is already." And she goes, "His," she says, I, "I didn't know how to respond." His exact words to me were, um, "I I just got done reading this book. I can't wait to educate my friends on their privilege." That's what he said, and he meant it. He wasn't like being sarcastic or funny. He was being sincere. I can't wait to educate my friends on on their privilege. And I just looked at her and said, oh, so what that translates into, I can't wait to get rid of 90% of my friend group. <laughs> oh. I um, think, well, I, not to put too fine a point on it and give my political leaning away, but you know, I think it's equal to, well, the same answer you give people who sell snake oil. I think it's the same fiat you should hand people with that with that general opinion. Um, I can't wait to educate people in this self righteous manner. You know, um, I'm going to save them from themselves. I'm going to save yeah. them from themselves. Exactly. Yes, well, a civilizing mission. And, and if we you have to read, save Africa from the Africans. That's yes, why we have the to the white build man's burden. White man's burden. Yes. Here yes. we go. Well, and and if you read that book, which I'm not. First of all, the only way I would say you need to read that book is so that if these woke people come up to you and say, well, and I'm not saying you have to, but this is the argument that some people are using is that, and I'm not making this up, they said, until you read this book and educate yourself, we cannot have a conversation about this. And I'm like, just because of that, I'm not going to read the book. It's, it, you can it, go it, screw it, yourself. It, that is, it, we it, are right, you are wrong. Yeah. And pay no attention to that man standing behind the curtain. Yeah. We, el- we welcome other perspectives as long as they don't disagree with as us. As long exactly. as they don't disagree and, with us. Now, I've read sections of the book, the introduction, things like that. And the uh, was it a guy or woman who wrote White Fragility? I think it was a woman. Yeah, it was a woman. I recall She admits similar. in that book to being a racist. Oh, wow. Okay. She talks about the fact that when she'd walk into a room filled with black people, she'd clutch her purse a little tighter. Did she clutch it's her like, pearls as well? Probably. It's like, that's not, you're absolutely right. That's not a normal reaction. But why on earth would we take advice about white privilege from a person who has already stated in their introduction that they're a racist? Because they must clearly know what they're talking about. Right? Sounds like she had something, one of them Catholics, the confession booth. Uh, Maybe she needed to... Confess. Yes, and not try to gain absolution. The rest of the world, uh, the self self flagellation leading to to absolution mm-hmm. of her sins. Yes, it's Thank like you. um. So New York is um. There was a story I talked about. The Atlantic had some of these stories that were. It was very interesting. They were talking about a, a local school board was having a Skype meeting, and one of the, and they were talking about diversity, and one of the guy goes. And and somebody was they were talking about um, getting rid of the standards for some of the other schools. Like you have to have a certain standard for kids to go there, and they were trying to 
integrate the school more, something like that. I can't remember what the argument was. Basically, the the one guy, something. one of the members of the school board was white. And during the course of the Zoom meeting, um, somebody off camera, he had a friend over while he was having the meeting. She handed him her black baby or her black nephew. And this this little boy was like, he's a toddler. And the guy's just bouncing him on his knee, you know, playing with him while while his aunt is doing something with one of the other children, oh, you're helping at, her out. You're at home with your kids. Yeah, he's at home. home. It's not it's not his children. It was a friend's kids. And a whole bunch of parents and, and people on the school board specifically um, sent a letter to the head of the school board saying that that was inappropriate because he was obviously using that child as a political tool, as a tool to do whatever. And, and in the next meeting, this just his, just his child. right. And in the next, it's it's not even his kid though. But in the next but meeting, the same the same thing yeah. applies. You know, they don't know that. But in the next meeting, um, one of the school board members accuses him of of this of staging of know? staging this. And and she and and I'd have to pull up the article and we can talk about it in the next episode maybe. But she she was basically saying that's you don't understand how hurtful that is to see. A white man bouncing a, ba- a, a black baby on his knee—that hurts people. Where? That's what she said. And and there's but another they, I mean, member this, of the this, school board. This, this sounds like one of those clickbait articles to start. To start well, an no, this was reality. It, it was a viral video in the in I guess in the Northeast um, went around with this this person having a meltdown against this white guy. And and the, I gotta give credit to the head of the school board. They said, uh-uh, because uh, there was another member of the school board, an Asian woman who. Um, said that she decided that she needed to educate herself about racism and um, privilege and things like that. So she read all these books, White Fragility, all that, mm-hmm. and basically said, and she's the one that said, we cannot have a productive conversation until you admit this, this, and this, and educate yourself. Basically saying, until you read this book, we can't have a conversation about this because you're not educated enough. You are not... Uh-huh. That's what she said. You're no, not, but that reminds yeah. me of... Reminds you yeah, of... you're not educated enough. You don't understand the terms or the language. Not that I'm using, but the language that you're using and how that's oppressive. And so until you learn all of this, we can't have a productive conversation. But she took it further and said, we cannot have a productive conversation about the school policies until you educate yourself on this. And the head of the school board goes, no. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm then sorry. We, then we won't have this I'm conversation. I'm sorry, but this has nothing to do with school policy. And uh, what she is basically saying is, is that until I come around to her way of thinking, we cannot have a productive conversation. And that in of itself is intolerance. But this is... this Wrote is, that in a letter, open letter, and sent it out to everybody. But this is, this is the point that I always have to tell people. I mean, you are... Forcing people to choose the nuclear option Mm -hmm. if you have that stance. Because then people are going to go out of their way. You will further divide people. Yes. Oh, that's what this was doing. Out of their way to give you a giant fuck you. I'm going to be as obtuse as I possibly can. We went this whole thing without a dropping of an F-bomb, and here it is in the last few minutes. Okay, and that's something that pisses me off as well. The the (laughs) F-bomb. How many people in Syria were killed when I said that? (laughs) <laughs> Did a school blow up here in the local town? How, uh, the, how the fuck do we know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how many how many people died? How many people clutched their pearls immediately? You know, 
Let something shrivel up and I feel fall like off. I've, I feel like I've touched a nerve here. Yes, you have touched a nerve. <laughs> several, in fact, you know. Several, in 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 fact, in this in this particular instance. Nah, you know, I'm just getting. I don't care. Uh, these are all marked explicit, anyways. Yeah, well, they are. But you because know what I found out? Because we're talking about reality. Well, reality you know what I found explicit. out? The explicit stuff to mark a podcast explicit. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the language, like um, curse words and things like that. Um, they're more concerned about the content. Yes, because we are. So, we, we've shown our microaggressions during this podcast. Well, they're more concerned about sexual content. Come oh, to find well, out. So if you're talking about like sex ed on your podcast, but you don't actually drop any curse, because this happened. Person was talking about sex ed on their on one of the episodes of their podcast, didn't drop any curse words whatsoever. So they didn't mark it explicit. Is this for all of these repressed religious Christians yes. who teach abstinence, yes. and then they get very excited when they hear when everybody talks about sex? Yes. Okay. So, anyways, they got they actually had their podcast pulled until they marked it explicit. Uh, but come to find out, they're more concerned about content than they are about uh, the usage of certain words, which I found to be very interesting. So they're monitoring your content to make sure that the right political message is taught. I'm ama- I'd be amazed if they were monitoring our content. We're not big enough yet. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, we would like our content to be spread throughout the globe. So those listening in Australia, New Zealand, Ethiopia, still the second country on the list with the most listeners, uh, tell your friends, tell your family to give us a listen. Um, you know, we would like to hear from y'all. We would like to... Um, I ha- I'm under no illusions that this is going to be like a huge podcast where we make a good a amount Joe of money Rogan off. Show yeah, this isn't going to be a Joe Rogan show. I, that'd be great if it eventually turned into that. Um, but I'm just thankful that you know we got as many people listening. We have faithful listeners that um, last Sunday when I I think this went up at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it had already been listened to like four times. So we have at least four people that wait every Sunday for this to come out and listen to us immediately. Mean, Whoever they are. You mean our four apostles? Yes. The faithful, you know? Yes. Lammy, we're talking about you, if you're still listening. The four apostles. The four, the four, we need nine. We need nine. Oh, the four horsemen. The four horsemen. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, Stephen, just real quick, Stephen Crowder had a skit on his morning show this last week. Um, where it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse and they're riding up in the cra- clouds and it's hysterical. And it's like, and he showed the ground every now and then people running in terror. And he's like, no, no, we're here to, to talk to you. It's like, you know, peaceful and stuff like that. He goes, I never understood why they just run away. And then one guy turns to me and goes, I think it's maybe because hell's following us. They all <laughs> yeah, look behind hell him. following behind us. They all look behind him and go, no. No, 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 no. Hell is only following one of them. Oh, they're all riding together. <laughs> It is pretty hysterical, though. So, well, gentlemen, we have a, another one in the books. I was thinking about this. We a, we're averaging almost two hours apiece on each one of these. We've had 12 episodes. We have spent the equivalent of 24 hours in this room together. Um, time my, flies. My God, I feel old now. Yeah, well, you know. No, no walk in the park for me either. I know, right? Because you don't walk in the park. That's right. <laughs> you, you in tomb. That would, that would require me to get those shoes get those out of shoes the sealed tomb. Out, yeah. out, out, out of their tomb, the yes. You can't break that seal, man. Death comes on swift wings to the person <laughs> who defer- disturbs that tomb. Oh, okay, um, okay. So, you know. But anyways, no, I guess we'll... Yeah, foot fungus is something you should take care of. Mm, uh, I guess we will pick it up again next week uh, if we're all, you know, still alive after uh, the first week of school. 
So, oh, that shouldn't be we'll too see, bad. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. So, uh, if you'd like to give us questions, comments, concerns, you can find us at jcawalkintoabar at gmail.com, Facebook and Twitter at jcawalkintoabar. You too can take that outside if you like. So, until then, gentlemen. Thank you. Huh? Thank you. Yes. I'd rather and, take you outside, but okay. Now I really wish my gun was on this side of the room. Uh, so, anyways, uh, gentlemen, we will see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.